The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Hey, I know it's warm in here, but we got a lot of bodies in here. It's body heat, right? Thank you for being here. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm glad you're here. Um, I'm doing good today. Last Sunday was not a pleasant day watching football. I'm over it. You know, sometimes in life, there's just there's those kind of calls, right? And it's, it's how you respond, right? It's not whether you fall, it's how you get up. I'm just talking out of the bitterness that I has, still have for last Wednesday. I'm sorry. But the good news, hey, here's the good news. I can watch football for the rest of the couple games that we got left. There's three games left in the season. I can watch it without any emotional attachment whatsoever. It is awesome. I feel free. But um, uh, I'm glad you're here. My name's Pastor Matt. If this is your first time, uh, as Adam said, there's a, a connect card in the seat back uh, pocket in front of you. We'd love to get some information about you. We don't do anything weird. We don't do Tuesday night visitation about dinner time, you know, where we knock on the door, like, hey, what's up? What you got for dinner? Tell me about your life. Uh, we don't do anything like that. We, we want to call you. We want to connect with you because I know how hard it is to connect with a church. I know what that, what that search is like. And uh, we want to give you some information about who we are. And uh, I believe, I love our church. Um, I know this, we're not the church for everybody, but, but if this is the church God's calling you to, we want to help you get engaged and get plugged in and, and start building some life in the community. Uh, community is a core value that we have. Last week, the Community Expo, I just want to say thank you to all the leaders and volunteers. And man, they, they put on an excellent expo. I'm so proud of them. And I'm proud of you guys because here's what I saw. I saw so many of our families saying, it's time for us to get connected in our church. And I love that because you stepped up and you engaged in community. And, and I think life change happens as a result of that. So it's not too late. Last week wasn't the only time to sign up. Um, you can still go to our Welcome Center. If you go out the Worship Center, turn right. And uh, there's a big silver sign that says Welcome Center. And uh, you can get the list of groups there. We've got all kinds of groups. We've got connect groups starting up that if you're new to the creek or if you just haven't engaged in a group and you want to kind of ease into it, then that connect group is a great way to do it. If you're ready to just jump on in, uh, then we have groups for that too. So uh, we have something to help connect you and your family. In this room on Wednesday nights, we have youth, 6th through 12th grade, and uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. Their music is quite a bit louder than ours, um, but uh, not by much because we like it loud, right? We are the creek. We came from a daycare, the small room, where you can't control the volume on anything. So... Uh, we're just used to that, I guess. So if you're new and you walk in and you wonder it's a little loud, we came from a room about the size of this platform that uh, if you think it's crowded and you think you're crowded right now, you should have been at one of our services at the daycare. Talk to some veterans. They'll be like, oh, I can tell you about the day. Back in the day. It was back in the day. Um, so yeah, anyway, I don't know where I'm going. Uh, but a um, couple housekeeping things. One of the announcements you saw in the video was about our kids' beach club at Northbrook Elementary. This is an opportunity for us to go into the elementary school after school and preach the gospel. And so if you, if you have some time on Wednesday afternoons and uh, from, I think, probably 3 to 4.30, the, the beach club goes 3 to 4, so to allow probably some time on either side of that. But if, if your work schedule allows, would you and, and God's putting that on your heart, would you come see us at the Welcome Center? Because we would like to launch that this semester again. 
And uh, it takes a minimum number of, of leaders required to do it. And uh, we would love to go into the public school and be able to preach the gospel. We've done several semesters there before, and we've seen uh, over 30 kids give their life to Christ because we can go in and, and teach them what the truth is. So if that's on your heart, we'd love to get you connected with that. I've been telling you the last couple of weeks that our, our State of the Ministries on February 8th. We actually bumped it up to February 1st because I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about. Um, so February 1st is our State of the Ministry address. And then February 8th, uh, we're going to be uh, talking more in depth about what we share on February 1st. But the night of February 8th, we're doing Night of Presence. And that's a time of worship and communion, and we're doing baptisms that night. We're also doing our building dedication because, uh, you know, I've never been a pastor where, you know, we opened a new building before. We were always in the daycare. And so all the professionals that worked on the building, and, and they've been asking me, other pastors that have been praying for us and helping us, uh, been saying, when are you doing a dedication service? I don't know. I didn't know you had to do one. But we're going to do it that night too. So we're going to tack it all in. So it's night of presence. But let me tell you about the heart of that that night, that Sunday night. It's not just a building dedication. It's not just baptism. Here's what I believe about that night. There are things that only happen in the presence of God. And, and so we're going to take time on that Sunday night just to get in the presence of God. Um, we're going to worship and we're going to have some prayer things. And, and, and it, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that taking us to a new level of when Jesus says, you'll worship me in spirit and truth. I'm looking forward to what that looks like. So anyway, those are all my announcements. That's all my commercials. Now let's get to it. Uh, Romans chapter 5 is where we're going to be. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we keep Bibles on the back tables. Um, if you don't own a Bible, then write your name in that. That's our gift to you. We love for you to have a Bible. I love for people to do it. We don't put Scripture on the screens because I, I love for people to have it and know how to find it. And if you need help, I can help you. Anybody can help you. Don't ever be afraid to ask for help. If you've got a smartphone, you can get online, the version. It's a free app, and uh, get, a, get the scripture there. It's easier to find on the version, by the way, because you just tap it. Um, but you also can tap the live tab, and you can get our fill-in sheets. So Romans chapter 5 is where we're going to be. We're, we're coming to the close of a series called Illumination, and Illumination is part of a larger context in the book of Romans and through our study of Romans. And we're going verse by verse through the book of Romans. I love doing that. And the reason I love doing that is it keeps us accountable to the context so that we don't approach Scripture and say, what do I want to take away from this? How can I, how can I make this fit my life? When we approach Scripture, when we study the Word of God, it's supposed to read us. We're supposed to find ourselves in it and say, okay, this is what God's saying. This is who God is. This is what His character's revealing. Now, how does this change me as a result of what I've just studied? And it's, it's more of a, an approach of, God, I'm coming to your Word, and I'm asking you to speak to me. I'm asking you to change me. I'm asking you to make me into who you've called me to be and created me to be. And... When, we, when I was in seminary, kind of what that, that term and the way that process works is you study what it is teaching there and then. So you've got to understand that when Scripture is written, this, the book of Romans is actually a letter, and it was written to the Christians in first century Rome. And so we want to understand what did it mean to them. And then you do this, this process called crossing the principalizing bridge. What does it mean to me now? Because the Word of God is timeless. 
And he's constantly teaching us through his word. It's like a diamond mine that you continue to go and you find new jewels every time, every time, every time. Whenever you get in and study the word of God, you're going to find something new. That's the beauty of God's revelation. And so what Paul's doing is he, he wrote this letter to the Christians in Rome, and there were, there were really two people that we saw earlier that, that he's really narrowing in on. There, there's the Jews and the Gentiles. And he's bringing some revolutionary ideas about faith and who Jesus is in light of what this faith does in our life. And, and to the Jews, they, they, they read that, that they approach this and they may come, from it, come to it from a very religious setup. That I've got to follow the law, I've got to follow these things. If I do the right things, then I get favor with God. If I, if I behave the right way, then I'm going to get favor with God. And God will love me because I'm his people. And then there's the Gentiles. Then the Gentiles were not born into the nation of Israel. And they were, they were a lot of times, especially by the Pharisees, considered outside of faith, outside of the grace of God, outside of the love of God. And so these two groups would have gotten this letter and both of these people have put their faith in Jesus who gave his life on a cross and was resurrected on Easter so that we could have a relationship. And so Paul's addressing things to both, groups of these, to both groups of people. And he's saying, look, faith trumps you trying to do the religious thing. It's not about how well you follow the rules. It's who you follow. And, and maybe you're coming in this morning and, and you're, you're dealing with some of those things. Like, I, I just can't follow these rules. It's just mess. Can I tell you that it's more about who you follow than getting the law of the letter perfect. When you look at the law, here's what it reveals. There's none of us that can keep it. What it reveals is that we have a desperate need for a Savior, and His name is Jesus. And so I can't follow the rules of the religion and get to God. It'll almost get me there. But Jesus gets us all the way there. Or maybe you're coming in and maybe you feel like you've been outside of grace. Maybe you feel like, you know, the God who knows everything knows everything, if you know what I mean. He knows what I've done. He knows what I've thought. He knows, he knows all the ins and outs, and there's no way after him kind of seeing what's going on in this life that he's going to love somebody like me. What Paul's saying to the people in first century Rome that, he's gonna, that the Holy Spirit even says to us today is it's by faith that we are made right before God. Paul uses this word called justification. And today we're going to talk about living in the light of justification. It's a big word. It's a church word. It's a Christianese, if you will. Let me help you with what that means. The way I, I, I've got to go back to break it down in the simplest terms. I've got to go back to middle school. Um, the way I learned about justification when I was in middle school was it's justified before God. And the way I remember that is my youth pastor said, think of it as this, justified, just as if I'd never sinned before God. So through faith in Jesus, we're declared righteous and we are viewed by God just as if we'd never sinned. See, that's revolutionary to the first century person in Rome who's trying to struggle through this relationship with God as much as it is for us today, as much as it is for me. Because I can get caught up in following the rules and I can get caught up in thinking there's no way God can love me. 
And I can, turn, I can get in this spiral mess. And sadly, most of the time what we do is we just try to give up. We just give up on it. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to mess with that. I'm just not going to go there. But Paul's going to teach us through this passage today that when we put our faith in him, when we put our faith in God, and through that declaration, there's some tangible things that happen in our life. There, there's some things that happen as a result of living in the light of justification. Uh, let, let's get in and look at it. We'll start um, in, in chapter 5. And if you're, if you're still unsure on how to find Romans, the table of contents tells us it lists out the books. And Romans is in the New Testament. Even if you don't know that, they're all there. It tells you what page Romans starts on. And then the big numbers are the chapters and the little numbers are the verses. So, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a word that he starts it with called therefore. And we need to understand that that he's he's made an argument and he's saying, because of what I've said before, here's what I'm going to say next. And so what, to give it to you in a nutshell, Paul has said we have to live in light of faith, we live in light of promise. That when we place our faith in God, what happens is we are declared righteous before God and we're justified just as if I'd never sinned. He said because of that, because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, because of his bloodshed, because of his resurrection, because of our faith in him, He declares us righteous because of that. We have peace with God through Jesus. Now, peace is one of those things that kind of can be kind of hard to define because we work for peace, we fight for peace, um, and we tend to think that peace is the absence of conflict. I don't. I've got. I've been through the teenager phase. I I didn't get a T-shirt. But I don't want to do that again. I don't want to ride that ride again. I will watch it as a grandparent someday in the future. So I know what conflict is in the home. I know what conflict is in the workplace. I know what conflict is on the road. I see conflict all around us. We have men and women that their job is to go into a foreign country and face conflict in the name of preserving peace. And we tend to think that peace is the absence of conflict. And, and I got to tell you, that, that's not the truth because I've experienced incredible peace in the middle of incredible conflict. That, that we, we, tend to, we tend to see people try to get the conflict to go away so they can experience the peace. I think of beauty pageants. You know, they get up there and like, what do you hope to see? I'm just praying for world peace. Okay, you keep on. You know, and I can say, well, the Bible says, you know, one day when Jesus comes back, yeah, there's going to be peace, and he's going to reign and rule in peace, yes. But, but what about this? What about peace in our nation? Let me break it down. How many of us experience peace in our own home? And then if you want to get even further than that, how many of us experience true peace in our own mind? Because my mind is, is crazy. I don't know if I'm the only one but it's just, I can feel conflict in my mind. And, and peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is something that God gives us supernaturally in the middle of conflict. And it only comes through the presence of God. It only comes because of what Jesus did on the cross. So when we start thinking about world peace or, or this idea of fighting for peace... 
Let me help you with something. The peace that we have with God, and this isn't us going and making peace with God. I know Forrest Gump and Lieutenant Dan had the idea of he had to make his peace with God. We don't make peace with God. It's already been done on the cross. What our responsibility is, is to enjoy the peace that he gives us. We can't produce it. We can't manufacture it. It's something he gives us. Even in the middle of incredible conflict, even in the middle of war, we can experience incredible peace. And that comes because Jesus has paid the price and it's only through Jesus that we get the peace. Because he said, you're either for me or against me. If you're against me, there will be no peace. If you're for me, there will be peace. So it's a tangible thing that we have with God. It's that thing that in the middle of the deepest, darkest moment of our life, someone can say, I don't understand how you're able to keep it together. And I've been in those moments and I can respond, I don't either. But God's doing something and there's a peace that I feel and I I know I shouldn't be this peaceful, but I am. And so we experience peace. Verse two, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So we have peace with God. We have access to God into grace. Many of us experience peace in our relationships through avoidance. I know I'm not the only one in that. Like I cannot get along with that person. So the only way I'm gonna have peace is for us to avoid each other completely. You've been there. Some of y'all there now. I know this. I'm not preaching to myself on this one. I see Facebook. I've been unfriended before. I'll be unfriended in the future. That's all right. But we tend to think that peace might be the avoidance of any connection in the relationship. Sadly, we think that of God because we think, oh, God's judge. God's judging me. God's out to get me. God knows what I've done. And, and, and the religious system and the religiosity that we get caught up in is, is that God is somehow angry and I've got to keep him off my back. So in order for me to have peace with God, I'm going to avoid you. And we walk away. We think, I can't walk in a church. The building will fall down on my head. Let me tell you something. If I walked in here and it didn't fall down, you're good. Trust me. But we tend to think that if I avoid God, we'll have that peace. It's not going to happen. What, what happens through Jesus is we have access to God. We have access to grace. What access means, this word in the Greek is actually translated privilege of approach to a person of high rank. Meaning we can have, we, we, we don't have the access on our own. We don't have the clearance to be in the presence of God. But through Jesus, we do. I was trying to figure out the best way to illustrate this, and I remembered a picture that I'd seen before, and we'll put it up. This is JFK and John Jr. I can tell you there's no way you're going to get to that spot in that office with that man sitting at that desk unless you've got a relationship with him. Right? That's what Jesus bought for us that we can confidently come before the throne of God. That God just doesn't say, that the peace that we have exists because of what Jesus did and the grace that's poured out and you have access 
into the holiest place. That we don't have to be scared to go in the presence of God. That through Jesus, through faith, through our justification, we can go in the same way he does. And I I can tell you this, that God loves it when his kids come into his presence. I, I am always announced, or the presence of Abby is always announced in my home by our little dog. Last night was no exception. I was, I was like right on the verge of sleep. And I mean, he just, he hears it. I mean, for as dumb as he is, he's got some crazy good hearing. But he heard that key, that tumbler in the lock go, and he was off the bed and he's barking and going nuts. And he's happy to see Abby. He's jumping and can't control himself. I don't jump around, <laughs> you know. I might do that this week just to freak him out. Just pray for Matt. He's at the psych ward. But uh, God loves it when we come into his presence. He loves it when we look to him and say, here I am, Dad, because we have a relationship with him and we have that grace, we have that access. Let's go on. Then he goes on. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we have peace, we have access to grace, and then we have hope. And then we have hope in our future. Now this one, um, this is important because we understand that, that when we, we see God and we see the promises of God. He has a promise for our future. And, and we tend to kind of put these on a, on a, on a balancing scale. And I, I've got to say that sometimes I do and sometimes Christians do this. We tend to tip that scale and we don't live in balance because when we see in Scripture that we're co-heirs with Christ, that everything that he shares in his glory, we'll share with him, that we have access to the presence of God, that we're sons and daughters of God, we're co-heirs with Christ. And so we get all of the benefits of his goodness. We share in his glory. We also share in his sufferings. But we tend to think of that in the terms of of heaven. We kind of put that off in the sweet by and by, and we miss the here and now. And and as Christ followers, we can tend to get so so unbalanced that all we do is is think about heaven. Well, I can't wait to go to heaven. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be perfect. No more crying, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. It's just going to be perfect all the time. Perfect, 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 perfect. And we tend to get that, that, that only view. And that's not bad. And heaven is perfect and it's going to be awesome. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited to go, not today, but I'm excited to go. But we tend to solely focus on that. And we miss that God has a hope and a future and a purpose and a plan for us right here, right now. That, that, that hope and that future doesn't start when we draw our last breath. It starts the moment that we invite Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. Or we don't ever think about heaven. We just think about, well, God's going to fix all this right here, right now. And we get so, we get so uh, nearsighted that we don't think about the future and how incredible the future is going to be. And through our justification... We have a hope, and that future starts now. And it goes on through eternity, and it just, it, it, gets, it gets perfect when we step into heaven. And we like the perfection, and we like to think of that, 
Um, but I can tell you this, that when, when you think of how good heaven is and then you kind of come back to reality, you see how messed up our world is. You see that although the perfection is going to be here at some point, there's a lot of suffering that happens now. And, and let's go on. Verse, verse uh, this, is, this is some of my favorite, this is one of my favorite couple verses. Not only that, so not only do we have hope in the glory of God, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So this gives us a new perspective on suffering. A very tangible thing that living in the light of justification brings us is a new perspective on suffering because I can think about heaven and oh, the perfection and streets of gold and crystal sea and all of that and no night, no sickness. But yet when I look around me, there's a lot of mess going on. There's a lot of suffering. And let, let me tell you this, that if anyone tries to sell you a Jesus that can take away all your suffering on earth, don't buy it. Because when I read scripture, it's very clear that there is suffering around us. It's very honest. It's very blunt about suffering. Why? Because it's real. Because we will face it. We will face trials of many kinds. James and James 1, 2 said, Consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face these trials. Why? Let me tell you why. Because Romans right here gives us what the product of suffering is. The product of suffering is hope. You see, there's a, there's a progression that happens. We go through a, a, a situation. We go through a struggle. We go through a trial, and it, it puts us in a tough spot. It puts us in a situation, and, and it's, it's all we've got to make it through it. And it's taken every ounce of faith, and we start, we start walking through it, and it's tough. But that, that walk, that suffering, then brings us endurance because for the Christ follower, there's something different going on at work. We don't look at it as, as futile or fatal. We look at it through the hope. We look at it through the peace. We look at it through the grace that only comes from God. And we, we, through the power of God, through the grace of God, I can take one more step. And it starts to build endurance in my life. And you start thinking, I can do this. And through that endurance, Paul says it builds character. It deepens our character. It tests our character. It, 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 just, it fortifies it so we can then trust in that character. And so what happens is God is refining us. He said, this, this struggle is going to build endurance. It's going to refine your character. You're going to look more like God. You're going to start to act more like God. So when you face that trial, you start to face it the way God is leading us to face it. And then he says, and what that produces is hope. What does that hope mean? It means confidence that, that no matter what happens in this, I know that God will get the glory. I know that God is in charge. I know that God will not waste one moment of the suffering. He will redeem it all. That's what suffering produces in the life of a Christ follower. And I believe it's only through a deep and tested character that that hope comes, that we can say, God, I don't know why this is going on, but I trust you in it, and I'm going to walk through it, and I'm going to give you praise through it, even as hard as it is. And I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is hope and there's confidence in what you're doing in my life and in the lives of people around me that are seeing me walk through this trial. God doesn't waste a moment of it. Now, I want to give you an, give you an asterisk on this. Um, this is the hashtag symbol, right? I don't know what asterisk is. We'll just call it that, asterisk, you know. There we go, asterisk. 
From, it, it's coined. Here at the creek, you know, there's hashtag, there's asterisk. So it's asterisk. Let me give you this. Not, not all trials and suffering is from the enemy. Not all trials and suffering is because of what I did to get into the situation. Some trials, some difficulties are going to come because God is disciplining us. In Hebrews, we're told that God disciplines his kids because he loves us. And he wants to develop our character. Let me encourage you. This is the asterisk in this. Let me encourage you. Ask God to show you which it is. When you face that trial, when that, when that, that hardship starts pressing down on you, ask God, God, are we, are we building character and are we refining and are we, are we producing hope? Or God, is there something we got to deal with? And he's going to make it clear to you because God doesn't like discipline any more than, than I do. You don't like discipline any more than your kids do. And we're not going to be crazy parents that are just going to go discipline our kids and not tell them why we're disciplining them. Well, you're grounded. Why? Because I said so. Because. Because why? Because is the reason, and that's why. Kid, go. You know, God's going to tell us, here is why I'm punishing you. This is, the, this is what we need to work on. This is what we got to deal with. And God doesn't like it any more than we do, but here's what he knows he's doing. He's developing our character. And I can tell you, God is more concerned with our character than our comfort. And he will continue to refine us. So he pours out his love in our life. Let's finish this up. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. What he's talking about is is Paul says that through this hope, that, that God's love is being poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And then he says, let me, let, me, let me show you something very tangible in what it looks like for that love to be poured out. We experience that love tangibly by the, by the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ because it takes us from enemy to friend. It takes us from a relationship that, that is hostile to one that is covered in peace. And to show the depth of character of God's love, he gives us the example that, that it's very rare that a man would die for, for a good person. And we see that in a context of our society. We see that in our military. We see that in our law enforcement. We see that in our first responders, that you have good men that are willing to lay their life down for someone. But that's a rarity. That's why we call that honor. That's why we call those men heroes and those women heroes. But Paul says Jesus trumped that. That while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies with God, while we were powerless and godless, Paul says, Jesus died for us. What he's saying is the context would be, I'm willing to die for my enemy so they can have freedom. 
That's the power and the depth of the love of God. That's how much God loves us. And he did it for reconciliation. Reconciliation is the third uh, great achievement from the cross. Let me give you what these great achievements from the cross was because as Jesus gave his life and and he experienced this resurrection, uh, there's three things that happened through that process. The first one was redemption. Redemption deals with sin. So the blood of Christ deals with my sin. It deals with your sin, deals with our sin. So we have redemption because there's no way we can be right with God without the blood of Christ. And then there's the propitiation. This is a big word. It means satisfaction. Now, when Paul said we're saved from his wrath, see, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is against sin. And at the cross, Jesus dealt with the wrath of God. Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. So you've got redemption dealing with sin. You've got propitiation, which is satisfaction, dealing with the wrath of God. And then you've got reconciliation, which is for us, that we were out of relationship, and now we were in a relationship with God. We have the ability to come into the presence and curl up under the desk, under the throne of God, and sit at his feet. And reconciliation is, here's what it means. It's a restored relationship between people and God. And and living in light of justification means that these are tangible things that happen in our life. It's not that I, I come in and I, I learn this and, and at one point I pray to prayer and dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins and um, come in and be, be my Lord and Savior, check, and then we go out and nothing changes in our life. You see, living in the light of justification means that it changes us. It does Christianity is not behavior modification where I, I've got to put these things together so I can, I can figure it out. It's transformation that says, I'm created to live a different life. And I'm recreated. I'm born again, transform what, however you want to term that. But God takes the old and casts it away and brings the new to life in us so that we live differently. We live in the light of justification. See, Jesus is always taking us from somewhere and to somewhere, or from something and to something. He took us from enemy to friend. He takes us from death to life, from dark to light, from despair to hope, from, from enmity with God to peace with God. And he's always taking us in our, in our life so that we grow and we develop so we continue to live in light of what it means to be justified. And I, I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you've, maybe you've never started that relationship with God. Maybe there's never been reconciliation between you and God. Or, or maybe you're, you're struggling because when I talk about peace and conflict and things, and, and maybe there's not peace in your home. Maybe there's not peace in your marriage. Maybe there's not peace in your work. Maybe there's no peace anywhere in your life. Or, or this idea of grace, because maybe the enemy is just challenging you with things like, there's no way God's grace will cover that. I can tell you, God's grace is bigger than anything we can imagine. Or maybe you just, maybe you came in, there's no hope. Maybe you got invited to see the baby dedications, and you're like, I got no hope, but I got to go to do this thing for the family. Maybe this is the moment for the first time in your life that you hear God to say, I love you. And while you're still in your mess, I died for you. 
God never asks us to clean up our mess before we call out to him. He says, bring the mess. I can redeem that too. So I'm going to pray for us, and, and I want to encourage you. Maybe this is the first time you've ever said, Jesus, I need you. Or maybe you need to say, Jesus, I need you. Let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. If you need peace, if you need grace, if you need hope, if you need all that, press into Jesus. Because here's what I've learned. As I draw more into the heart of God, the peace, the grace, the hope, all of that, that comes as a byproduct. That's fruit. And honestly, the peace that God gives pales in comparison of knowing God himself and living that life he's called us to live. Let's pray. (coughs) Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word, your truth. We thank you for the the cross, the reality of Jesus' life, the brutality of his death, and the incredibility of his resurrection. That it's through that we can have peace, we can have hope, we can have faith, we can have grace we can have reconciliation with you Jesus help us to live life differently in light of being justified if there's anyone in this room this morning that maybe you've tried the religious thing or maybe you've been told you're outside of grace Let me give you some truth this morning. That Jesus died for you. That he demonstrated his love for you long before we knew what our mess would be. Long before we knew what the struggle would be in trying to follow something. This morning, Jesus says, "I, I, I paid for it all. And I'm asking you to follow me. wherever you're at I'm asking you to use the courage that's coming from God to say Jesus I I need you I give it to you I've tried it I've made a mess of it it's yours but Jesus I'm going to commit to you and I want to leave here differently I want to be somebody else I want to be a new creation I don't want to continue to live the same empty life. And I need your peace. I need your grace. I need your hope. But most of all, I need you to develop me, to develop your character in me, to forgive me, to bring me into relationship. And Jesus, I do that solely on faith right now and solely on trust. But here I am. For some of us in this room, we just need more Jesus. We need more peace, but it doesn't happen through asking for peace. It happens by pursuing Jesus. It's who we follow. The peace follows Jesus. The grace follows Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you for that grace, that peace. We just want to press into you. Draw us in more. Reveal yourself to us more. Lord, we talked about tangible things this morning, and I just pray that you bring some more of that tangibility to us. More of you, because all the other stuff comes as a result. More of you. That in your presence, there's healing. In your presence, there's hope. 
In your presence, life is made new. In your presence, striving ceases. So we ask for your presence in our life. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.